Welcome to Inspired Surfers on Wavelength Community Radio in partnership with Jimmy's Iced Coffee. In this episode, Jim is in conversation with Nick Pumphrey and Mike Guest talking about their Dawn Days movement, which has them and now others up at first light every morning shooting the sunrise from the water in a quest to improve their mental health. Dudes, this is really cool. Um, thank you so much for joining. I, I still actually can't believe that um, I've met you before, Mike. This is, um, this is very, very cool. That was, that was a proper blast from the past thing for me. Um, so it's great to have you on today's show. <laughs> 2004, um, yeah, that was a while ago. I know, that was in 2004. Um, it's really, really cool to have you guys on. Um, this is series two of our Inspired sur- uh, Surfers thing with Wavelength. Um, it'd be quite nice. We just need to just let people know who you are and what you guys do. We are joined with, uh, with me is uh, Nick Pumphrey, a total legend, and Mike Guest, also a total legend in the building. Um, you guys are very experienced in a whole bunch of different things. And I'd love it if you guys can just kind of take it away and let me know like what you guys have been up to and uh, a little bit about like the main topic of, of today's thing, which is your dawn days. Um, so um, Nick, do you want, do you want to go first? Yeah. Hi Jim. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me and Mike on. Um, I am in St. Ives, Cornwall. So yeah, my hometown, I grew up here in St. Ives, actually at Greg Dennis's place right now, who made the film because he has like the best internet in town. So <laughs> have you, have you been, uh, have you been in St. Ives all of your life or have you been all over the place? Cause with all, with all of your photography and stuff. Mum and dad came here when I was six months old and, um, yeah, I went to all the schools in St. Ives, grew up bodyboarding actually around 10 years old. I got into, I got into bodyboarding. Um, cause all the older guys, then there was a big bodyboard scene down at Porthmere. So yeah, as a little 10 year old, that became my passion until, wow, into my early twenties. And I suppose growing up in St. Ives, full of artists, full of travelers, we would just hear these crazy stories of, um, stories from afar, you know, stories from overseas. So by the time I'd finished college in which I had actually studied photography and art because I was very I couldn't really concentrate on the other subjects so basically at 18 years old after hearing all these stories that was it I booked um a ticket to the Canary Islands I'm going way off topic here but here we go yeah I booked a ticket to the Canary Islands and that started basically 24 years of travel I'm 42 years old now and yeah wow. it was like a yeah 24 gap years as I like to as I like to call it but uh yeah, and, and yeah, since the pandemic, I've come back to I'm back to St. Ives at the minute, and and we'll see. And I've just kind of taken that travel option out of my psyche for the meantime. I'm very happy actually just to be here in Cornwall with all my friends who are probably in a similar state of mind. That's so cool. I I love the idea of um, 24 gap years. That's um that's really quite nice. <laughs> and I I guess that's taken you that's taken you as far as well, as far as around the world and around the world and around the world a thousand times. It has, yes. It's It's been absolutely amazing, you know. Because I always, I think from a young age or from then, I kind of used to do trips away because I wanted to do it, you know. I was 
first of all, I wanted to go to these spots to bodyboard, which is the Canary Islands and those kind of spots. But I was always, my decisions were, I'm going to have a good time. You know, I'm going there because I want to have a good time. And I would do these, every kind of job to fund it, yeah. you know. So pretty much never had any money for the last 20 years or whatever, or, or a bit less, but that's okay. But I had all these experiences and then the surf trips backed into winter seasons. I did snowboard seasons and worked on the yachts and man. And I met people, met so many people and made so many lifelong friends and connections, you know, like these, this I'll talk about probably later with photography, like the kind of people, the people I work for and all those things came from travel and just from kind of following that just true desire to enjoy myself, you know, so yeah pretty wilder mate that's amazing and that's and that's gonna be that's gonna be coupled with a passport that's ragged and full of stamps and with a thousand stories to tell which is always exciting i i look at my passport sometimes and i uh i kind of i kind of want just a few more stamps in there i mean i think everyone always wants a few more stamps in their passport but it's it's nice when it gets really tatty and you're like yeah, yeah i'm just gonna keep going and going and going and so yeah 24 years is pretty cool for that did you did you migrate out of this is just a personal question for me from um from bodyboarding into stand up or have you are you still bodyboarding? Yeah, I've been been bodyboarding a bit recently the last few winters. I got a, like a I got a Mike Stewart I think it was a Mike Stewart comp 42, I can't remember. I got a bit out of the of the the zone, you know, when I was bodyboarding it was like I had a Mike Stewart wall, you know, the, the whole wall was dedicated to Mike Stewart. So I was <laughs> But it just yes. happened naturally. I went to France, and when I was in France, uh, I met a guy called Woody Boomer, who was a Aussie guy, and was a, he was a pro skier for Salomon and an amazing surfer from Wollongong. And we ended up starting a restaurant called The Surfing down in Estanio, in the Estanio car park in Senos, and uh, he surfed, and the, wow. and the crew surfed. They surfed, and I, I kind of came in bodyboarding still, and. It, I didn't even, there's no particular reason why I changed. I didn't change to like go, oh, I got to stand up now. It was just, I had this seven foot red single fin, like an egg. It was beautiful. And I think I just, because they were surfing, I just go nice. play around. And it was summertime, so I suppose the waves were more, were smaller. And so it just happened naturally. But recently, I've been like frothing on the boog again. And, and a lot of the crew from St. Ives, the older boys, like Colin Sterling, like James Hardy, all that crew I looked up to, they're all bodyboarding again. So there's like a little resurgence Thanks. and it's, it's super fun. You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Did, did, did the, uh, body, did the bodyboarding start from, um, I know you were saying like there was, there was an older crew that went in, were they, were they on actual bodyboards or were they on like belly boards, like the wooden, wooden style ones? Yeah, they were, their bodyboards. Totally. That was kind of the Mac, Mac seven, seven, era the original mori boogie max 77s and bz's so i remember yes. like the bz uh diamond ridge diamond stingers the, the ben uh, ben t10 channel and yeah that was it and then manta you can see you nodding here so you know what i mean like the manta bodyboards from australia came over and but they'd fall apart the early ones i had a uh i had a manta i had a manta 220 power force yes wow <laughs> So you were on the boog as well, Jim. And I remember, I, I was at the beginning. Um, I actually, in when I grew up in Dubai, I actually got, I had a, 
we had these like polystyrene surfboards and it was just it was just shaped like a surfboard but it was more like a bodyboard and it was kind of wrapped mm-hmm. in this like weird mesh that just gave you the worst <sighs> rash in the entire world cool. um and then i got bought a surfboard and then i was kind of going between surfing and and bodyboarding and then i used to i remember when i bought that that the um the manta i went down to there's like a little place where there's like on low tide you get um mud flats so you can do skimboarding so i used the yeah. bodyboard for that and I bought a load of stickers and put like animal stickers on there and all these other bits and then went and then went um skimboarding on this bodyboard and just ripped all the stickers off and I was just like oh my god I spent like 16 pounds of stickers <laughs> yeah yeah so so, so dumb I but I, yeah I remember it clear as day really fun yeah, I had like an Oakley I kind of went off tangent there I remember having this Oakley it was an Oakley thermonuclear sticker on the bottom of my Mac 7 thermonuclear protection exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What a title, hey! <laughs> oh, mate, that's great. Um, be- before before we go any deeper, I, I want to pull Mike, um, Mike, Mike into the equation. Mike, how are you, man? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. I'm just uh, hiding up on the west coast of Scotland, um, away with my mum and dad at the moment. Actually, just having a bit of uh, time out for a week. Lovely. Now, what's out of your window? Is it is it what we're going to expect to see? Are we seeing mountains and like craggy lagoons and beautiful stuff? Yeah, what's the deal? just out front is a body of water uh, with an old ruined boat, actually, that's sitting in there. And then you, as you look down, you look down towards uh, to towards sky. Um, so pretty dramatic scenes in the mornings. We've got kind of, the weather's kind of strange at the moment, but it's kind of cool. There's still some nice light in the mornings. Yeah, and you, I guess you're you're getting sunset over sea on that point, are you? Where where, where you are? I'm kind of hidden within the kind of minches, so it's like there's kind of mountains all around me. Um, so I'm not actually seeing the sea the sea in that sense, but it's like a sea loch. So uh, it's quite okay. a different view, actually. Something I've been kind of dreaming of for the last few months to to get away out of the city and see something a little bit different. Wow. Uh, and what, uh, minches, minches, what's a minch? Oh, the minches. That's kind of the name for the, like, what would the Norwegians call them? Fjords, you know, like the, okay. the kind of sea lochs or it's, a, it's yeah. a name sort of given used on the West coast. But you know, I'm, I, otherwise I'm based in, in Edinburgh is my yeah. kind of hometown where I've grew up. And similar to Nick, a lot of mine was work related, but and sort of travel related sort of 21 years of kind of on the move. And when back home, kind of living out the back of a van when possible, riding bikes or skiing originally. And then for me, actually, I've only picked up surf in the last, probably the last 10 years, actually, Um, due to, yeah, I I was just a ski nut. And actually, I ended up surfing. The reason I got into surfing was the Coldwater Classic up in Thurso. Now, it comes back from the Red Bull days of how we met. And I got a phone call saying, oh, tow a generator up to the Thurzo. And yeah, there's this event. And I was like, what? Literally no real idea. You just kind of did that with Red Bull. You're like, all right, just do what I'm told. Turn up somewhere. Yeah, off you go. And, and then from there was kind of like, ah, quite good waves here. Yeah, this is what surfing's all about. So it was like seeing the creme de la creme, you know, your John John Florences and Sonny Garcias stepping around in Scottish cow poop. And uh, and surfing some pretty good waves or horrendous waves because there were years where it was shocking, and yeah. a couple life you know quite a few lifelong friends from that trip you know 
predominantly probably Lewis Pinder, who used to work at Wavelength and then edited, uh, was the editor at Wavelength for a short period and did a few trips with him. But a bunch of people and, you know, like photographers like Sharpie, Al McKinnon, um, like a ton of people like um, Timo, uh, like so many. When I realized afterwards, it's like, oh, no way, that's you. You know, it was like, it wasn't just great surfers. It was just like some of the best documenters of surf there. And at that point I hadn't really picked up a camera and, you know, all I did was plug in a couple cables, chuck a generator on and me and Lewis would nurse our hangovers in the front of our van, watching some of the world's best tear into to, to Scotland. That's rad. Did you, <laughs> was that your first, was that your first wave at Thurso or did, had you, had you considering it's been like 10 years? Where, where was your first wave? Do you remember that? Well, I think I was down in the east coast of Scotland, just Belhaven Beach. I think I tried out for a little bit. And then how did I end up getting into it? I went to to see an osteopath, actually, through a friend of a friend. And the next thing, you know, like this guy is now one of my lifelong best friends. You know, five days later, we were sleeping in the back of my van, chasing waves up north. And I was paddling out into things that I was nowhere near ready to get near. <laughs> but Adam and Lewis, like... It was a baptism of fire with those guys. We're like, ah, you'll be fine. You can ski. You know, you've you've big mountain skied. You can steep ski. You'll be fine. And that was people's attitude. I was like, this is so different. This stuff moves in a totally different way. Um, so yeah, the permanent yeah, I avalanche. Think, yeah, I I spent a lot of time in a lot of larger surf, like just paddling on the edge, being like, what am I doing here? How am I ever <laughs> going to actually? learn how to surf this. So I don't know where was my first wave. I'm not sure. I mean, I know I boogie boarded. My mum found this hilarious picture of me somewhere in Cornwall in a fluorescent multicolored wetsuit and a boog. So the first thing I ever did was boog for sure when I was a little kid. And, and, and you know, growing up in, in Edinburgh and Scotland at that point, it wasn't that well known that we could surf. So I, I think skiing and snow just became a kind of a more obvious choice and addiction for me. You, t- you two may have boogged at the same time. You never know. How cool is that? Totally. All three of, all three of us. Oh, maybe potentially. Yeah, quite, potentially. Yeah. I like the fact we all boogged, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very cool. Would you say, Mike, uh, as a beginner, uh, being out back at a big wave or standing at the top of a, not even a black run, just uncharted ski territory, what's going to be more terrifying? Oh, for me, it was like, for sure, the waves, you know, it was, it was so different, you know, like I had grown up in skiing. I'd spent a lot of time, you know, I did 10 winters. Um, I spent a lot of time doing training courses, like avalanche training courses and stuff to really get my head around that. I used to ski a lot with mountain guides or aspirant mountain guides and, and older folk. And so I had an understanding of that world, but an understanding of how fragile that world is and how easily things can go wrong very quickly. You know, I've lost a number of friends. I've had a number of situations myself. And, you know, there was this reality of that. But then when I went into surf, it was like I was looking for a change from the snow world and that kind of perceived danger and maybe not wanting to become one of those friends of mine that had passed away. But then I'm into this surf thing going, well, wait a minute this is mental. Like, how do you even comprehend this? Everything's moving and everything's different. And, and I, the hold downs would remind me of avalanches, you know, like mm-hmm. at, at certain points I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm into this. And then yeah. just slowly, but surely kind of 
you just find your feet, don't you? You become comfortable, you learn the environment, and you realize that you pop up generally with a wetsuit on and a six mil, you know. Eventually, yeah, you you will pop up. So, yeah, I think fear for me was more the the water was a was a whole new world again. Do you? It's it's kind of fun. Um, I think it was O'Neill, or maybe even I'm pretty sure it was O'Neill. They had a uh, their strap line for a while was only a surfer knows the feeling. It might even be Billabong. I'm not too sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but Billabong. because you've done both now in surfing and. It was Billabong, was it? Billabong, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that, feeling, yeah is, um, do, do you think that that applies to skiing as well? Because this is, this is quite interesting, knowing someone that's actually done both. And there's the surfing thing does certainly bring a certain feeling for me. And I've snowboarded and stuff like that. I'm not any good, but I've done it. But I, I do feel there's definitely a difference between surfing and snowboarding. Although they're two, they are two totally different things, but they do, ha- do, they do have their similarities. Do you think you get the same thing um, from surfing as you do skiing, or do you think they're they're also different? Yeah, good question. Actually, I would say for me, there's a similar sense of perspective. So when you're in the mountains and say specifically if you're ski touring or going off piste and it isn't super busy like it is these days or you found that tranquil spot, you've got this kind of untracked mountain, you've got all this potential you get a real, I used to get a real sense of uh, where I was positioned in the world. If that makes any sense, it's like, okay, yeah. this is huge. This is big. And then same with the ocean. I think when I'm in there a lot of the time as well, it's that kind of the energy of the ocean, being able to see the, the horizon bend off kind of infinite possibility on that perspective. But then when it comes to the actual physical riding of a wave or the riding of snow, I think there's something really interesting with flow. Again, they're very different, but when I was skiing, you know, I'd start getting into to bigger, fatter skis. I worked for a company called DPS, which was a really progressive ski brand that had really fat, floaty, reverse camber skis that you could literally like, they would call it a slarve and it was a sliding carve and you could put it on edge and you would just get this drift and you're just like power drifting, like... Wow. You know, and it was, it was magical, you know, and there's that thing when you plane up, you know, on the skis or on a snowboard, when you start going and then you get to that point and I guess it's kind of like trim, you know, like I love that thing about longboards. I think Nick's probably the same with like those bigger boards. I think we both are quite similar like that. We quite like sort of bigger craft, twin fins, single fins, but that kind of trim and glide that you get. Yeah. I think there's so many similarities. They are ultimately very different, but. I I quite I quite like the similarities. So I, I think I got way more addicted to surfing of late. You know, mm-hmm. I still love the mountains. I really don't ski as much as I used to. But yeah, there's there's a beautiful flow between the two. I mean, what do you think, Nick? I mean, you've you've done a lot of seasons as well. Yeah, I think <clears throat> everything you said. I think surfing or in the sea and in the mountains, you, you kind of out. Uh, when you're not in a, in a queue waiting to go up a ski lift, when you're out there in the environment, you're out in nature, and then that brings that peacefulness. But I think the biggest difference is that extra dimension that with surfing, the platform, the platform, the sea, is dictating what we do. You know, and so I think in the mountains, mm-hmm. unless you're riding an avalanche, and that's kind of then you're in this zone where 
you know, you're kind of having to react to movement. I think with surfing, you don't necessarily, you have an idea what you want to do, but you're kind of reacting to movements of water, you know, so, and that's got to be doing something a lot different. So that, that whole, like, only a surfer knows the feeling. Maybe surfing does sit in a unique spot just with that dimension of things, you know, where you've got to go with the flow. You're going with the flow. You're completely present, there's that word. And, you know, like you say, flow state. Yeah. There's only so much you can force. Yeah, that's very cool. How how did you guys meet? Um, Was the first time we met, was it at Le Surfing? It was at Le Surfing, yes. Patagonia. Yeah. Well, worn tour. <laughs> yeah, that was, wasn't it? I was on tour with Patagonia um, photographing the Warnwear tour where we basically go around and fix people's clothing. And especially it was the first wetsuit tour, actually. And I think the whole crew had turned up. So the, the main boss of surf, which is Gabe Davies, um, and then some of the European marketing crew were over. And I think even the guys that designed the wetsuits, I think... One of those fellas um, was from the States was over and a whole bunch of media and Nick was just chilling out front with the boys and girls of Le Surfing drinking cups of coffee. And I think we'd kind of probably met each, known of each other online or something. And then um, I think just enjoyed taking some breaks and sitting, having coffees and beers, didn't we? It was absolutely. And because my girlfriend was working at Le Surfing and yeah. you were parked outside Le Surfing or your, the, the hut on wheels was parked outside the surfing and so of course i was always hanging there because julia's working there and woody one of my best friends runs the surfing so that's kind of my zone <laughs> it's very hard for people to get me out of Istanio car park you know they're always like how can we get him out of there <clears throat> <laughs> so i was always there and mike was always there and then we started chatting about cameras because you had a fuji camera and i was like oh what are they like because i was thinking about i wanted to try one and i think we met over a chat pretty much about your camera. You gave it to me and said, I'm going to play with it. And then I'd see you every day. And friendship was born. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because it was like, it's quite an intense process and, and job that at times. So it was kind of nice to have uh, another photographer nearby to like actually kind of uh, blather with because I was having some, yeah, it, yeah. I was having a bit of a time of it. Actually, it was just nice to have a wee blather, didn't we? I kind of like offload on you a bit, and you'd be like, "Yeah, you'd be all right, man. Just think about this. Just do that." Yeah, you know, it was cool. Totally. And I think you came down again. The, the was it the winter of the same year? Or yeah, the I came down. Year? I think it was maybe winter the following year. I came down on my way to Portugal and Spain and stopped off for a wee bit. And it was kind of off season. It was so much nicer. It was so quiet. Yeah, beautiful uh, winter. It was such a nice change from that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Is the surfing open all year round? Until around October was normally, yeah, May to October was, it was random because <laughs> you never knew with Woody what it, he'd be feeling. He's like, I'm out of here. Or it's like, no, we'll stay open until Halloween or, or maybe we'll do Christmas. It's like the early years were very much <laughs> like that, you know? And then I think as time went yeah. on, he got more tired of it. He's like, oh, no, we're closing. <laughs> After the quick pro, it's like, it's done. <laughs> Sell, sell me the top, the top dish. What is it? Oh, top dish of the surfing. Back in the day, I would go because I think the, the early menu was always the best. Man, the original burritos are pretty damn good. 
and they used to everybody came to the restaurant used to freak out about that like the frenchies they weren't used to this burrito they'd be surfing all day and they'd come in and just this yeah the yeah the burrito the salmon i mean i don't eat so much fish anymore but the salmon with the steamed greens rice was pretty healthy one there's the tuna steaks i don't know the menu was really good we had like lots of different chefs and from different countries and it was just this fusion of all sorts of ideas that came out of it i'm trying to think what's the name what's the surfer you can't go wrong with a burrito what's the surfer called what's the guy's name again who um left the asp with a dramatic comparing it to the tennis tour like legend <laughs> oh what's his name again like Goofy footer, absolute incredible style. Ah, oh. anyway, he'd always come for the burrito. Loved it every night. Quick prep, he'd be there every night for his chicken. <laughs> oh, burrito. yay! Yeah, we'll we'll think of his name in a bit. Oh, amazing! <laughs> and have you have you guys have you guys kind of stayed in touch on the regular since then, or is it more since um, dawn days started that you guys have spent a lot more time? Bobby Martinez, there you go. There he is, Bobby. Martinez. That's the one. Yes. Legend. I'm I'm <laughs> sick of this uh, wannabe tennis tour or something. I loved was, it. Like, it wasn't was it? So- he had this say it, He had this comment, and he just dropped out, and he was like, he just swore at the a, um, yeah. WASA. Didn't, didn't want to be part of the two-bit tennis tour, and that was it. That's the one. <laughs> I've been watching his clips recently. That guy rips, man. Beautiful style. Yeah, yeah he's he's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> um i think we me and nick that's a good point i suppose we like chatted online a bit like back and forth about stuff and and then quite how our conversation came together like basically if we go back last year to april and it was the end of april it was like the last couple of days and somehow we ended up on a call like i had been going through a lot personally you know nick as well we were all just feeling like that anchor I think one of the best ways someone said to me was it like this anchor getting thrown out of the boat and you're like, oh God, we're still going forward full throttle. Here we go. Mm, the next thing yeah. you know, it's like, shit. Yeah. Uh-oh. And I think we just had a really heartfelt phone call. It was just a really honest, raw chat about what was going on. And, you know, Nick had been doing a lot of reading and I had I had actually gone and got some counseling from this kind of act therapy thing, which is an action commitment therapy. So basically just helping me understand and start to kind of coach my mind with how to deal with a lot of these thoughts and feelings that were coming at me from um, like everything that had happened in this kind of perpetual motion life that probably both of us have lived in, in different ways. The constant movement is, is fantastic, but it's ultimately pretty exhausting and can be quite a good distraction technique in a way. Um, And then Mm. we just had this honest, like this just really heartfelt phone call and, Nick, at the end, it was just like, eh, I think I'm going to swim out with my camera at the blue hour. And I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. the hour before dawn. Mm-hmm. And it was like instantly I just felt this light inside me go, man, yes, this is a great idea. I've got a body of water 10 minutes from my house. I'm in. Let's like, let's do this. Nick, what, this, is, this, is like, this is like ultra gold, what you're saying right now. Um, the... The moment for you, Nick, for going, I'm going to go and surf in the blue hour, a.k.a. dawn. Mm. Um, what, 
did did that just appear in your brain, or had you? How did that happen? Can you can you and you can spend heaps of time going through that because this is a really nice bit. Yeah, that's a good question, Jim. Um, I think, well, you know, it, it obviously was the idea was really. I've always been a fan of the the blue hour or first light and dusk. You know, both of them for photography, especially photography, not for surfing, mm. especially not in the morning, um, because I'm useless at warming up. So I don't have a good time surfing first thing in the morning unless it's tropical. But anyway, back on topic. Uh, <laughs> March, before I start talking about surfing, March time, I think, yeah, around March, and it was really raw then, I was living with mum and dad and, yeah, spending a lot of time out in the garden with dad and he's growing the food and a lot of time just to ponder. And I I just had that, I had an idea, first of all, that I just wanted to go and do something to help people. And I had this initial idea. It's like, oh, I'll take some photos, put on my website. People can download them for free and they can do what they want with them and maybe they'll feel good, you know. And I was going to do that beginning of April and I didn't do it. Uh, I missed it for some reason and I like doing things at the beginning of months, as you'll probably notice if you look back, you know, 1st of May, 1st of January, just recently 1st of May again. So that passed by. And then like Mike said, I started reading books and I was reading books on mindfulness, being present, being in line with what you love to do, you know, so being very honest with yourself. Is it, what is it you really love? And I think it just, I had a month to think about it really. So that kind of seed was already planted in my mind in March. So by the time May came and after doing all this reading, it just, kind of created this idea to do photography, which is what currently I'm really into, to do it in the sea, which is the body of, it's my passion, it's the place I totally love and it it keeps me at peace, you know, and and to do it in the uh, the first light, which also actually now I finally thinking about it was because I wasn't happy with myself sleeping in all the time. I wasn't happy with mm. lazy starts. And I've always known in myself that if I'm going to be productive, I've got to kind of start early before people start, you know, giving you a ring. Like, what are you doing, Nick? You want to come for a coffee? Like, and it's all, that's all lovely. It's all great. But so, yeah, that, it was nothing specific. It was just a, a combination of things. And it all stemmed from that raw time, just time to think, I suppose, and ponder and reflect and then, that was it. Get up, first light, be creative, go to the sea, see what happens. And yeah. It's it's interesting that you both kind of came to a conversation together on the phone where you both kind of seem to have almost hit a wall together at the same time. Do you think the 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 coronavirus was the kind of tipping point for that or or something else? It's, yeah, it was it's almost like it's funny because coronavirus can be looked at or COVID-19. Um, it can be looked at a negative thing. But I feel like it was a teacher. The whole time that whole time was a was a teacher for those who are open to it. You know, you, you start to learn more and more that you've got to go through uncomfortableness. You've got to go through this kind of 
feeling of pain and to experience, I don't know, to experience these pleasures, you know, it's, it doesn't come easy. But we were given space. We were given time to stop for the first time in our lives and think, mm. you know, mm. which is of super value, I think. Um, Mikey? I've, I've, <laughs> I really agree with you. Um, and I, I remember in the first lockdown, because we weren't able to do anything else, um, I remember I, I had 16 and a half weeks of every single night I had dinner with my wife and my two kids, which hmm. has never happened before in their whole lifetime. I mean, they're only six and seven, um, but I came out of that. Um, and actually the first meal that I had away from them was fortunately on a, on a boys trip, we went and picked up a catamaran from Plymouth and sailed it back to Bournemouth. So it was a, it was fine. It wasn't hmm. like a business trip to London. It was actually something really exciting. So I was kind of happy to go and do it, but I felt like I didn't want to break that cycle. And it's, it, you're right. Taking the good things out of this pandemic have been about genuinely knowing what's important and family time for me for, for dinner time and family time is actually up there on almost like number one of my list in the day is so that we can all eat together. And <laughs> it would, it didn't used to be that because it couldn't be that because of everything else that gets in the way. Cause you have to go to Manchester mm. to go and pitch to some supermarket, but you don't have to do that anymore because you've got the power of digital and doing it on zoom and all that kind of stuff. So being able to do that whole slowing down thing, I think has been being forced to do that. And then kind of genuinely taking a good long look around at what you really want and need is, has been fascinating. And I've, I, I've definitely taken the, the plus sides from it. Um, and it's, it's, it's so interesting to hear how it's kind of worked with you guys. And, um, Mike, how, how was there, a, was there, a, was there a day for you where you went just like, oh, bugger this all or was it kind of like creeping what was your kind of did you have a snapping point or a tipping point if you don't mind sharing yeah I, yeah i guess to put an exact day and it would be hard but like the, the way it all happened for me was i was again out on tour uh going around the alps and we got that final phone call after weeks and weeks of like okay you're on you're off what are we doing and had to make a you know a mad dash back to Amsterdam, you know, drop vehicles off, get back to Amsterdam, pick up my van that was there, go back to my flat. No one's there. You know, I'm sorry, no one's, no one's there. My, my friend was renting my flat off me. Um, I'd given it to him to, to give him a bit of a break. And so I've kind of turned up and had a couple of weeks cutting about up north. And then the government said, please don't do that. And then it was pretty much when I got back into the flat, my friend had moved out. And then it was like the movement completely stopped. And then everything just hit me. So when exactly that was, I guess sort of maybe mid-March or something like mm -hmm. that. And for me, it was just, it just hit me like a tsunami, like a ton of bricks um, to be just like, there's nothing in the front. There's no mm -hmm. carrots. There's no jobs. All of the work's gone within... 24 hours, every job's cancelled for the whole year. And then just this feeling of the, the, that second wave of tsunami, like oh, all this stuff from behind me, all the stuff in my past. Um, I was really just sat in this hole. And for me, like thinking back to what Nick's talking about, how he came to that concept of, of going out and shooting, 
I hadn't quite realized what I was doing when I kind of joined in with Nick, as it were. <clears throat> but what I was doing and what we've worked out maybe a little bit and looking at other people is that we made a committed action to ourselves first and foremostly to do something to like, I'm going to do this every single morning for Nick. I'm going to get up earlier for me. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm going to commit. And this committed action of creating this stuff, creating these images, creating the films, and then deciding to put it up there from a genuine perspective of hoping that you could do something for someone else. And like, you know, no delusions of grandeur. We didn't think we could fix the world and we don't, but we realized that people were getting solace from it. So, mm -hmm. you know, friends in Australia that couldn't get to the water, wherever it was by creating these little, you know, films and sound and Nick creating his images, people could just maybe stop that incessant scroll and go, ah, the ocean. You know, and, and say specifically yeah. like how Nick and me have different styles, but we definitely both like using longer lenses and compressing things in and picking out small detail and moments, remembering all of that. So I, th I think this, this thing kind of organically created where you're like, ah, why are people liking this? What is this doing for people? Like, this is, mm. this is really interesting. Mm. We, we do the same thing up with our um, work Instagram on a real nice day. Like even on, uh, I think it was on Friday, I was down the beach with my kids and the sun was just like perfect sunset and just went live on Instagram just to say, for those of you who aren't near the beach, just have a little look at this for a minute. I'm not going to say anything, just, just watch because it's so, even if it's just a couple of minutes or even 30 seconds to be like, ah, oh, I get it. And it's that kind of perspective -y thing. And it's so nice that you guys share that with people. Um, and what's really nice is that you're doing it because it's now, it's not just um, because you kind of like feel like you need to, or um, it's a good thing to do. It's one of these things that you have to do, like drawing breath. You have to get up every morning and go and do the dawn day. Um, and that's really cool. And I'm, I'm trying to get myself doing it with running because I've, I'm 40. I turned 40 like a few weeks ago and I wanted to be fit and 40 and not fat and 40. So I've, I shed a load of kilos and I have to, you have to keep working at it. You can't just stop and go, oh, I've, I've done my sunrise photograph this morning. I've ran my 5k. I'm just going to take the rest of my life off and not bother doing that again. And it's one of those things where you're like, no, you have to do it. This is like, there's no choice. You just have, you have to go yeah. and do it. And as soon as it gets into that absolute routine of you must, and you have to, and you will, you're like, oh God, it actually works out so much better. And I find that I do these like tiny tiny fist pumps when you've done something like that you come out of the water or you've been for a run and you just do it like a like a subtle whispering yes and it, that's it and you and it's that tiny little pat on the back <laughs> and then you can start your day and go and have that yeah. coffee with your mate do you know what i mean i'm you know what I, you know what i'm saying yeah no nick i mean me and nick were talking about this this is a really interesting subject actually i think there's there's a bit of depth we can go into with this let you go nick um, go, go, go. This is great. No, no, I, I was just saying, yeah, I was just coming back to the uncomfortableness, like I was talking about. I seem to have learned that more and more. You got to, you know, I don't want to go for a run, but I'm going to go for a run. But afterwards, you feel good for going for the run. And it's like, you know, I don't want to go do a dawn day <laughs> every day, you know. This morning, I definitely didn't want to do it. Of course. But I did it. And, <laughs> and it, it does, it always feels good for doing it. But man, there's been so many times where, yeah, we are, where I don't want to do it. My Instagram might tell a different story, 
Yeah, Nick, he loves swimming in the sea every morning, taking photos of these beautiful scenes, but no, it's not true. <laughs> I mean, but I always feel good for doing it. You know, that's 100%. <laughs> Know, in the winter, 111 mornings in a row. So happy that me and my friends, you know, and the and the wider communities that we did it. You know, because that's feels it's so heartwarming to do it. But yeah, yeah, it's a battle. Yeah, no, it is a It is a battle. I think that's amazing. And I, I'd, I'd like to know more about how it's expanded. But I just got uh, a question for each of you, um, and if, this is really for. Um, People who are listening out there who might be in a similar situation but haven't done anything about it, um, and there's two, two things I've just picked up on when you guys were talking. Um, one, Mike, um, your um, action commitment therapy that you've done. Um, do you mind explaining at what point when you felt like the whole, you know, there was nothing in front of you and there was all this bad stuff behind you, at what point did you put your hand up and go, I'm going to go and get some counseling? Because Similarly, I've, I've, I've had an anxiety thing and I went and got counselling, but it took me quite a long time. Did it take you a short amount of time or did it take you a long amount of time? And how easy was it to kind of put your hands up and go, I'm, I'm ready for this? Because there will be people out there who go, I need to go and get counselling. I just don't want to tell anyone that I need it because I, I don't feel like I can. Yeah, um, fantastic question. No, I'm, I'm very happy to chat about that. That was something I kind of told myself if I was going to stay on the likes of social media that I was going to be honest and tell my story because I feel like people can tell you to go and do something but it isn't until you actually want to go and do it so for me yeah to, to tell my story so I I'm very lucky in the sense that I have a strong friends group um a few blokes my friend Lewis and Adam who taught me how to surf um are and Lewis is actually a um a psychologist down in Devon um but from Scotland originally and I was chatting to him was chatting to Adam and I just kind of got to this point of chatting to my parents my my girlfriend at the time and I just got to this thing and I kind of thought kind of need to chat to someone else about this because everyone else has got this sphere of knowledge about me so I was speaking to Lewis and I said kind of think I need to speak to someone but like, where do you go? Do you go ABC, ZFM, ACT? You know, there's so many things. And he said, ah, oh, I think act therapy might be quite interesting. I just did a bit of training for that recently. It really works with some of my clients. And I just thought, yeah, right, I'm going to do it. And found someone that resonated with me. And what I kind of liked about it is it was kind of looking a little bit more at the Eastern philosophy. And so act therapy kind of, takes that Eastern philosophy and maybe keeps it slightly simpler or just refined down to a degree, or I don't know how best to explain it, to, to fit it into kind of national health system kind of constraints. Um, and basically allows you to start thinking about it. And I think for me, my personal perspective is if, if you think about counseling as coaching for the mind, sports, you know, athletes go and get coached all the way through their career. And as humans, why do we not think it's okay? You know, it's like going for a regular service for the car or whatever. It's like, let's understand why I think the way I think so that I don't just weld myself to these thoughts and feelings and become overwhelmed. So that was where I went down with that. Mm -hmm. And then the Eastern side of things started really interesting me. I hadn't really done much of that. And I was talking to Nick about it. And 
You're like, oh, I read this book. Oh, that. And I thought, oh, that's like act therapy. You know, they, there's these universal truths in life, I think, with all sorts of religions and philosophies and therapies or all that. A lot of that is can all boil down to one. So it, it just it just made a lot of sense. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I'm sure there's going to be, there's always at least one and that's, as long as you get one, that's good. Um, who can, you know, take, take that on board and maybe pick up the phone and go and chat to someone. Um, so that's really, really important. And Nick, um, you mentioned about reading books. Have you got a, have you got a, a favorite that you've read that kind of resonated with you or, or a couple for that matter? Yeah. Well, the hundred percent, the power of now that made a big change. I read the power oh, of yeah. now by Eckhart yeah. Tolle. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's a very good book to read. It's not too complicated or you can listen to it on an audio book if you, you know, just want to suck in the info, but that's the book. I read that book in April last year. Um, there was some Deepak Chopra stuff. This 21 days of abundance, which was really interesting. That's more action. You have to like write stuff, get stuff out of your head and visualize a little bit more, you know, the, the path that you, that's authentic to yourself, I suppose. Your, mm-hmm. we would say your call, your true, your being in alignment with you, with, with who you are. So that as well as a Deepak Chopra, Eckhart Tolle. I think there was one more, but, but yeah. I mean, both of those encourage you to be in the present moment or just to like kind of teach you to be a bit more aware of it. It's very, very hard to always be there. But just to recognize Mm -hmm. those anxious feelings, you know, those anxious feelings are most of the time you get anxiety because you're you're trying to figure out the future. Your brain's trying to figure out the future. And it can't, of course, because it's impossible. So then you're getting these this feeling in your stomach is connected by the, the same nerve. And, you know, that's pretty much anxiety. So, and a lot of us do today. A lot of us are always like, what am I going to do in the future? What am I going to do in the future? You know, all these things and it gets stressful in your head. So yeah, he kind of teaches you to just, mm-hmm. yeah, to come here, be now if you can. And it's a good little tools, which you can just, yeah. you recognize the feelings and this big breath and, very powerful stuff. I He's think an interesting, an inter- <laughs> yeah, I think an interesting part of that, Nick, as well, isn't it? I was just thinking is like, by reading a bunch of different things or looking at a bunch of different things, I've found it really interesting to just pick these different little nuggets that kind of work for me. And then like, you know, I'm not going to become a Buddhist, but I've been reading and listening to loads of kind of books like one, uh, When Things Fall Apart by Pem Chodron at the moment, listening to an audiobook on that. And just like hearing someone else talk about the fact that everyone goes through this, I think that's what's also really interesting. You know, it's not that it is it, it's not about normalizing it, but it is to a degree where like we all experience these feelings. And by listening and looking at different practices or whatever you want to do, I think building for me was building my own little toolkit of like breathing things and going immersing myself in the sea and listening to creative podcasts on photography to listening to like, I listen to some really zoomy stuff. Like I listen to like, um, like these crystal balls being like, uh, spun and it's just like a resonance. It's a tone. 
But I really love that when I'm editing photos or if I'm like in a bath or I just want to chill out and slow down because I can like ramp up to like mega high speed by like, you know, 10 in the morning. Maybe I just need to lie down on a spiky mat and listen to some tone to like slow me down and, and do my little idea of meditation <laughs> or mindfulness. I think, you know, there's for me, there's no silver bullet. Maybe they're out there. But if you're searching for a silver bullet, maybe just think about making a bit of a cocktail of different things that kind of work for you. And I think yeah. I think that's what's worked for me a lot. And and I, I got caught this last month. I had a pretty tough last month. I got caught looking in the future again. And it was like, oh, how did I do that again? You know, but like each time it happens, you know, my pal Adam's like, well, you didn't start drinking and you haven't started doing this. I think you've learned a load. Oh, yeah, maybe I have. Yeah. Definitely yeah. have, Mike. Little fist pump. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just a tiny one. But it means everything, though. Yeah. But I think as well with a lot of these things, you know, any of this stuff, and I think it's interesting to touch on this, me and Nick talked about this, that even the good things can become addictive. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily bad. But I think for me, what I've learned is way more self-awareness in the last year. Like, and sometimes that's actually quite scary to look back and go, wow, I was blissfully unaware, which has a beauty of just going with it. But I think building that awareness to catch yourself before you're really low or it's too late, you know, like you can do that. You can learn how to, to do that. And I think it's a never ending evolving process. It's the world isn't flat. We're pretty much sure about that as is, you know, healing and grief and all these things. It's pretty circular. There's moons and tides and suns, you know, all this stuff will rotate round and round. And the longer you go on about it and the more you learn, you hopefully be able to start catching those things. That's very true. Yeah. I love the idea of it being a cocktail um, of little bits and pieces that work like the, the spiky mat. I've got one of those and maybe three or four nights a week, I'll chuck it in bed and go to sleep on it. And then you wake up at two in the morning and you're like, Oh my God, I've got to get this thing out from underneath me. This is the word. It's stuck but, on you. You know, it sends you to sleep. It sends you to sleep so quickly. Um, and then yeah, all the, all those little routine things. Yeah. Do, do seem, do seem to help. Thanks guys for that. I really appreciate it. Um, now just, just to, just to go on to Dawn Day's, you know, where, where, where is it now after, you know, Nick, after your first dip uh, and your first photo, um, how, how has it progressed and what does it look like now? And how, how do, how do other people get involved? Yeah, man, it's changed a lot in a year. Me and Mikey had a bit of a chat about that yesterday. So we kind of wanted to be really honest about it. Um, you know, the first month, well, not even the first two weeks back last May was for myself, you know, and it's funny how you, I was doing it to help myself because whatever, I wasn't sleeping so well and it wasn't so bad, but I noticed there was a shift in my behavior, you know, how I normally am. So I normally sleep very well. I couldn't sleep and my eyes were open. I was thinking all worst case scenarios of what's going on and la la la. So I swam to help myself. And then you start to notice that you're helping others. <laughs> so you start to swim to help others. And then others join in. So you start swimming because it, 
there's like a community idea to it. So then you're doing something together to help others. And is this is this is this physically swimming with other people or them kind of digitally doing it at the same time and sharing stuff afterwards? This is both. Yeah. This is like a, a small crew here in St. Ives for the first time round. Or eventually, actually, by the end of the month, there was a small crew. I think the first two weeks until the 14th or so, I was by myself. And then Greg Dennis, who made the beautiful film, Be There, Be Present, came and joined me. So that was the first time I swam with someone. And then, yeah, I mean, that was yeah, the, the, those beginnings. And then we came round. I didn't do it much. I did a few times in France. And dawn days kind of went quiet. I suppose summer came round. Everything opened up. And our we all went down those paths of almost like the world coming back to normal. And then we come back here. Mm. And it gets cool again, lockdown number two or three, whatever. The, the, the number two didn't seem to, not much happened here. But then the big one gets called in January. And me and Mikey have a chat and we're like are we going to do it again because we're kind of like talking about it It was like yeah let's do it again and there was a lot more crew involved this time so personally for me dawn days has been very just flowing you know just flowing with it coming from the heart just like yeah i'm gonna swim because i don't like the idea of lockdown (laughs) so again i suppose it came back to this kind of Mm-hmm. I'm going to go jump in the sea in the winter no matter what. And this uncomfortableness, of this act of being uncomfortable is going to help me. Um, it's going to help me get through it. But then we had a bigger, bigger community this time. A, a guy called James Hardy who works for Cornwall County Council for emergency management. Guy hasn't been sleeping properly for years. And we, he's like, I'm coming with you. In fact, he said, I'm going to come and swim with you once a week and i'm going to do it 52 times in a year <laughs> and he said that on the 3rd of january and yeah he swam till april the 12th <laughs> which was 100 days in a row eventually he was just like so he he was always with me he was messaging me the night before where to tomorrow where we're going tomorrow he was always there first light he was incredible and, you know and he's a solution man he works emergency management imagine his job load this last year and he's always solutions there's always yeah. positivity it's like we're going to do this together he's incredible and his sleeping problems disappeared in two weeks. So mm. that's where things get really interesting with Dawn Days. We're like, okay, what's going on here? Is it, is it connection to nature? Is it routine? Is it cold submersion? Is it the idea of blue mind? Because there's some pretty powerful stuff happening in that act, but I'm not a scientist and you know, I don't know. But there's apparently an amazing book called The Blue Mind, which really delves into what bodies of water do to you to your mindset an incredible podcast by dan burgess and that's uh when we can share maybe later dan burgess with the chap Mm. who wrote the blue mind did your sleep improve once you'd got into the rhythm of doing the dips um pretty much by day three straight away see now that's that's that should be tested scientifically, surely, because you could just then go to the doctor and rather being subscribed stuff, you could actually just go and do early morning dips. I also guess getting up first thing in the morning and not lying in means you actually probably go to bed a little bit more tired and ready to go to sleep, like physically and mentally. 
Because if you don't, if you don't wake up until nine, ten o'clock, and you're moping about, you're not going to go to bed until twelve, one o'clock in the morning, and your head's going to be fizzing, and you need to be clear and tired. Like I love being tired, like physically and mentally mm. tired. When you hit the pillow and you add absolutely, you're conked. That's that's a really good feeling. Totally, and I just recently uh, heard that you need the, that light in the blue hour, the early morning light. You need it's like 10 minutes or 15 minutes of that spectrum of light through your eyes to your brain to set your body clock naturally. Now, if you think about sleeping problems and not getting that, that spectrum of light through you, I mean, that's another really interesting thing. So it's like we need it. And you think once upon a time, we would get up at sunrise and we would go to bed at sunset and we'd get up with purpose and routine and we'd have community and we work together. And a lot of that's been lost and you wonder why there's so much confusion and burnout and it's like, and starting your day scrolling on a phone is <laughs> probably not the best way to start a day. Otherwise known yeah. as comparing yourself to someone else and not actually being in your own skin anymore. Yeah. I got off on one again. Did, did you ever find it? No, it's this is great. Did you ever find it? It's almost like a little bit like that space is for you to go and do that thing in the morning. And how did you deal with suddenly people coming in with you in the morning when you kind of like, actually, this is my space and this is my time? Did you kind of accept it and it was a great thing or was there a little bit of hesitance? How does that work? Yeah, all sorts of emotions if I'm going to be honest. Um, sometimes absolutely beautiful, of course. You know, you're with friends, you're having a laugh. Um, you know, it's a beautiful way to start the day. You're having giggle fits at sunrise, you know, with friends in the sea. That's great. But you're right, not every day you're the same. And sometimes you just want to have peace and quiet. But that particular day, seven, ten people turned up and everyone wants to talk. <laughs> So it's mixed, yeah, it really is kind of mixed, mixed mixed emotions on that one. And I don't really know. I mean, it's okay because the next, there's always the next day. So it's okay. You just kind of, you get in your little zone, you photograph what's happening. But you're right. Yeah, there's times when you don't want to be around people. And, and, and it's to two totally different dynamics. One of them is the social community idea of doing something together and the other one is totally personal and you're doing it for yourself which are both great and i think both brilliant ways to start the day just different different feelings i think there's something important about making perhaps making one of those days in the week just your day where you don't go to the beach where everyone else is going and you go to a car park and you go down somewhere where it is just your own space because i i've i've done a fair amount of sea swimming or whatever, or even just being social, just going and doing something on your own. And suddenly you bump into people and you're like, I really like you, but I just want to be on my own right now. Um, and you don't ever want to get to a point where you don't enjoy doing something like that or feel the benefit of it. Um, so it's kind of, you've got to be selfish and a little bit strict on yourself in that, in that particular instance. Totally. Yeah. And that's it. That's my nature. It's kind of like, I'll go with the flow. You know, which isn't always a good thing. Of course, it can be an amazing thing, but yeah, mm. going with the flow and maybe not pretend, not taking enough attention 
to myself sometimes, even after like reading the book and telling you everything I told you, you still, you know, trip up. And it's like, like you say, it is a beautiful thing to do. And if you're not, if I'm not conscious of what I'm doing or why I'm doing it anymore, you know, then it becomes a stressful thing to do. <laughs> it can become a stressful thing to do. Yeah. <clears throat> it's almost like an organized thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's yeah. like, well, and then why am I doing it? Am I doing it for myself? Am I doing it for others? Is my, in fact, my ego has come in, you know, it's like you build up a picture in your head of who you are. It's like, you know, and this is very honest conversation here. And it's like, I'm Nick Pumphrey. I started doing Dawn Days with Mike Guest and people expect me to post 10 photos on Instagram. No one's expecting me to post 10 photos on Instagram, but you start to build up in your head this version of who you are. And it's been a great teacher. Even the act of Dawn Days has been a good teacher to myself to, hey, like, even a great thing, if you don't kind of take notice of yourself, you can end up, you can end up going in a way that's actually not healthy, you know, because my, my, my mindset is shifting to then doing it for other people or for potential praise or for potential likes or for potential comments. And, and so it's an interesting space, which mm. you need to, I think, take notice of. Or I need to, yeah. But I say, it's lessons all the time. There's always lessons and you've got to be open and awake to it. Yeah. And Mike, have you, are you finding that you, when you're going and you're dipping, are you dipping with, with other people or are you kind of remote enough that it is still um, by yourself? Um, in the original May lockdown, you know, my timings would potentially be about an hour ahead of Nick because of living further north. So I was out at the start at like, by the end of May, it was like 3.45 when I was going out. There is wow. no one else up, you know, like the police only do their five o'clock run, I think, uh, or maybe a little bit earlier along the promenade in Portobello. So like to give context, I'm in Portobello, right beside Edinburgh, capital city, there's no surf. Um, it's pretty murky water. And it was kind of me just on my own um, in May. And then my friend Joe Tennant, another water photographer, came out a couple of times, or we were talking during that year. But then in January, as the time difference was different, and also everyone had started doing a lot more sea swimming uh, at Portobello, there were people that were kind of clicked onto that dawn thing. And also like the success of dawn days as such you know like the number of people that had done it people started to know who i was a little bit but they were all doing their own thing but i was still doing my own bit and joe would come out with me but you know she's got family work all sorts of other commitments so she wasn't able to come out that much whereas i don't have those commitments but i started to get to know these three fantastic ladies called the sunrise social club as emily nicknamed it who were just out doing it for charity, swimming, doing their thing, quietly doing their bit. Um, and it, there's all these groins where I live. And and it's like all the swimming crews kind of have these groins. They, they seem to go to a certain spot. That's just their, that's their thing. That's their jive. And so it was quite, I think if I'm honest, part of me was like, sometimes like not to say jealous of Nick and those guys down there. I'm like, Ooh, I'd like a f bit of waves, like some clear water, and some people to go out with. But then sometimes when it was really busy, I was the same. I'm like, I just want to hide and do my own thing. And I would go to very different spots last May. But then this January, for some reason, I went to exactly the same spot almost every morning for the first few weeks. And then was like, what are you doing? Like, 
this beach is pretty big. Like, <laughs> let's go to some different some different parts. And I think, like Nick said as well, it's you know the the, the ego the 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 lesson with the ego is super interesting. And I think that's again what I've learned a huge amount about kind of checking out, going, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Because I was really, I haven't looked back at some of the stuff I wrote in last May and I don't think I ever will, but it was like super honest and raw. And it was every so often. And even in the last while, you know, I've, I've gone on a lot of podcasts, I've been asked to, to do a bunch and we've both been doing articles and, and all this kind of stuff. And that's also really challenging to put yourself out there constantly like that. And me kind of like pretty much the last four weeks just went, oh my God, I feel like a fart in a spacesuit. You can't get rid of me. That's my perception. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I was like, oh man, what am I doing? And then it would, you know, you'd get these lovely messages from people saying, I've been thinking about going and get some therapy or this thing or that, you know, and, and then remind yourself, like, it's cool. Just, it's cool. you know, just go with it. It's, you know, people are getting something out of this. You're getting something out of this, but it, Matt, it's been a roller coaster. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's pretty challenging in that sense. And it's great when I get, to, you know, I talk to Nick or friends and we open up about it or people just laugh at me or I remember to laugh at myself. That balance. Yeah. I wonder if Finding- the, that pressure that you have from, you know, pit- people are expecting 10 photos every day now like come on nick where is it why aren't you up out of bed why aren't you doing your thing come on like mike get on with it um whether there's you know the month where you take in and uh an actual just like a standard analog camera and you've you've got you've got 28 shots or 36 depending on film size or whatever and you take one photo every day and you get it developed at the end of the month and then you can upload that and at the end of the month and it's only one pick a day and and that's so much more on your terms and you don't have to have it. You don't have to worry about the stress of, oh, if I don't put my 10 up today, what are people going to think? And then that's the whole reason why you're not doing it or the whole, yeah, you're not doing it for that reason in the first place. That's like the most anti reason to be doing what you're doing. Right. So that, that, that yeah. balance is a, is a real tough one. Yeah. That's a nice idea that like the, yeah. And I think that whole thing is going to change. I've been thinking about it recently, the whole, yeah. 10 photos every morning idea. Because it is, I am. The instant gratification thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I'm rushing to drop those photos on by around 9 a.m. And yeah, I'm I'm not as true to myself and I know it. And it's pretty cool to say it on this podcast too, you know? So it's like, yeah, I, mm. it gets in the way of, I don't know, there's just something not authentic about it, you know? So that's rethink how can we be creative? How can you spread a lovely message? but by trying to keep it pretty real as well to yourself, that'd be a really lovely place to be. It's a shame that we've got to actually kind of wrap this up now. Cause I could quite happily sit here and chat to you guys all day. Um, um, but yeah, we, we are, we're running out of time and I just wanted to um, just kind of end on now that, now that it seems that the, the pandemic is finally fingers crossed, touch wood, all of that stuff kind of making itself go away. Um, what's, What's next without looking too far in the future and freaking yourselves out um, for you guys? Uh, ooh. Fuck. If so anything. Stuff. <laughs> well, definitely, I'll tell you what. 100%, 100% I know that I do want to still photograph the sea under beautiful light 
but I want to explore uh, ways of presenting it. So I'm really getting into like beautiful papers and actually putting these images onto fine art style, you know, the fine art abstract style images of the sea on beautiful papers. Uh, that fires me up. I like the idea of that. I like the idea of large format and seeing that kind of creative journey through to the end, you know, not just the 10 pictures on Instagram. And then yeah, putting these images in places, it can either be printed, it can be projections. It's working again with creative people, like visionaries of conservation. You know, I want to be able to, I want to be able to photograph the sea and share the imagery in a way to connect people back to the sea or back to nature. It doesn't have, it has to be, you've been to become so disconnected. So I don't really know how to go about it yet. I need to speak to some more people, Hugo Tagholm, for example. And it's just like, where do I sit with this as a creative, you know, how can I show the beauty of the sea? How can we connect people back to nature? Because it's really important for our health. We have to look after the planet and by connecting to it, there's at least a bit more of a chance that you're going to want to protect it. So yeah, that's kind of my, my dreams, I suppose, my visions at the moment of that's kind of firing me up. That's taking most of my energy. And then, yeah, there's ideas of a, of a, a potential pop-up creative space at Portsmouth Beach. So stay tuned. But that could be a really lovely place to bring creatives and good minds and people together and inspire by just doing some really positive stuff. You know. That's where I am right now. Amazing. Without thinking Thank you, too Nick. far ahead. Thanks very much. <laughs> right on. <laughs> That's great. And Mike? Um, you know, similar thing with Nick. You know, we touched on a chat yesterday about stuff, and I have this – I love an analogy, um, so watch out. But um, I guess there's this <laughs> concept of of, um, of Dawn Days being this kind of octopus, like the head, the nucleus of this thing that kind of happened – and there's all these tentacles of possibility, like there's all these different ways we can go with this. And I think that's what's really interesting to see the effect that it's had on people to kind of investigate that by having conversations with people. Um, one of those tentacles at the moment is a book that I've been starting to play around with the concept of doing. So I've been collecting, you know, I think there was somewhere in the region of 40 to 60 people that got involved in Dinner Dawn from the island of Shetland all the way down to to this lot down in Cornwall and, you know, the northeast coast. There was randomly someone in Germany in a river and in a, in a lake. So pulling all of that together to potentially look at a book project, which helps kind of become this thing that you could just lay out on the table and there's maybe some words through it. That's still growing and learning. Um, and then for me kind of looking at learning difficulties at the moment. I'm very dyslexic and I'm quite vocal about it. And I'm kind of proud to be dyslexic because I see it as a, a strength rather than what was called a disability originally or difference. And I'm kind of looking at how water, how water imagery, how connection to the ocean, connection to nature, how that all kind of relates. So that's a kind of spin-off um, for me about that. And like with Nick, just evolving this kind of thing and, and less kind of online in a way, but have that portal of Dawn Days. You know, we've got dawndays.com, which hopefully once we start to work out to build that can be this place where people can paint, write, do poetry, whatever the thing is that does it for them, you know? And 
and and maybe look at a little bit of the science about why why we were affected to uh, at water in that way. There's a friend of mine, Jamie Marshall, who's doing the first ever PhD in surf therapy, all related to originally the Wave Project. He's now broken away from that and doing his own thing. But he talked about it and said, "Ooh, interesting." When I finish the PhD, to maybe like have a look at this. Now, I don't need to justify everything with science, but it's cool to find that mix between science, nature, spirituality, whatever those words you want, like in the middle, where's this interesting place? I think that's, that's where my mind is bubbling at the moment. That's awesome. Guys, thank yeah. you so much for your time. Um, it's a, it's a pleasure and thank you for opening up and being so honest. And, um, I'm, I'm a hundred percent certain. Um, oh, I've already taken stuff away and I'm sure other people will too. Um, so thank you very much for your time. I really hope to meet you guys. Uh, one day I would love to, um, physically dip one day with you guys too, um, provided it's in your headspace to be able to do so. That'd be great. <laughs> and, um, yeah, have a, uh, good luck, good luck with everything. And thanks so much. Thank you very much, Jim. And I do look forward to that swim. Anytime you want, man, just let us, Sounds let us, great. Let us know when you're in Cornwall. Or hopefully Mikey will get down to Cornwall and we can all do it together and then have some iced coffees after. Yeah, I've got a, a surfboard to pick up. Uh, so definitely, I'll definitely be down sometime. So thanks for having us on and giving us the opportunity to have a chat about this. Yeah, that was amazing. First podcast. A pleasure. That was really, really enjoyable. There we go. We popped we pop <laughs> your, pop your cherry, Nick. Popped yeah, your cherry. There we go. I hope I didn't, <laughs> I hope I didn't go off subject too much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Inspired Surfers in partnership with Jimmy's, the pod where we aim to uncover unique and amazing stories from those who are inspired by the sea and the great outdoors.